0: Hey, welcome to the Finding Dad podcast. Today's guest is my dear friend, Robert Cardenas. Now I know we all have different dad stories and they affect us all different ways. But what I love about Robert's story is that Robert was raised by a very accomplished, big figure of of a man, a big life. That brings another set of complications that I'm not really familiar with or aware of, but Robert is. And so I really think you're gonna enjoy him, his insights and his journey. Hey, welcome to the Finding Dad podcast. Today, we have a special friend of mine, a special guest, Robert Cardenas. Welcome to the Finding Dad podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to have you here. Uh, it's it's my honor, truly. <laughs> How long have we known each other?
1: Uh, 30, tr- five well, years of marriage. And well, I I, we were married in 87, so before that.
0: 85, 86. Probably. yeah, you know, long we do the math. I'm not I good at Pre-marriage, <laughs> yeah, pre-kids. Yeah. Now the kids are out of the house. Yeah. And we've done a lot of life together and seen each other grow up. And um, it's an honor and privilege to have you here again. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, here we are talking about dads. Yeah. As dads. Mm Kind of wild. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I met you, there was some um, challenge with your dad. Oh, yeah. Some distance. Yeah. As was mine. Do me a favor. Sum up your dad now, not then, your feelings of your dad in 10 words or less. Not that I'm counting.
1: No, thank you for that. <laughs> um, my dad was a, a rare individual, a, a guy who came from, from basically nothing. Uh, seven brothers and sisters living on a dirt floor in the High Plains Desert uh, um, and was driven by the love of, of his mother, honestly. It was the love of his mother that drove his life and always wanted to serve not just her, but others. Mm-hmm. He was, he was that was him. Really? It was about service. Yeah, he absolutely was.
0: Was he close to his dad?
1: Um, his dad's, uh, for perspective, uh, his name was Heliodoro, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Uh, and uh, which is I think another name for the devil. Uh, his <laughs> nickname was Slim. <laughs> he had a lot of talent, but he was mean okay he was mean in fact uh my my father was the youngest and when he was born was pretty frail and growing up in the southern california deserts as they did and he was a rancher his dad um, he really thought my father was an imposition Hmm. and and pushed him away quite a bit to the extent where that's how he came so close to his mother so um, he grew up a hard life. I mean, but a happy one. I yeah. mean, to him, uh, joy was getting on his horse and riding out to the desert for days and weeks at a time, and just living on the land.
0: So he was a horseman.
1: He was he was a he was a he was a, uh, he was a calf roper. I in fact, I have his lasso in my office. I have his spurs. I have his Stetson hat, all in my office. We had a saddle for the longest time, but you know, those are sort of things you can't just keep.
0: <laughs> I. This, I learned something every time yeah. that I sit and talk to guys. I had never known, known that. I knew him as a a, a hero, an officer.
1: His family crossed the border in 1923 and he was born in El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. which gives me sort of a perspective about you know today's immigration environment mm-hmm. yeah, as to yeah, yeah. You know, what the what ifs, uh-huh. the what ifs. Yeah, my dad- And
0: what year era? Uh, 1923
1: is when okay. he crossed. So he okay. was born there in El Paso and then later his dad uh, brought them to the high desert he, we bought some property in what's now the Barrios of Oro Grande, which is a town outside of Victorville, which is outside of Barstow, which is outside of San Bernardino. <laughs> it's outside of... Pa- <laughs> it's outside. It's outside. And it's literally a dirt road where, in fact, uh, family still owns that house. Really? Oh, yeah. I think uh, one of my distant cousins probably still has Have it. Have you seen it? Well, I lived there for a year. Oh, really? Well, yeah. My dad, as uh, you brought up his hero status. He was a... Uh, uh, retired lieutenant colonel but there in his first tour of in Vietnam he didn't he didn't want my mom to be alone or us somewhere else and and, and as far as tour of duties go you're not allowed to stay on a post while you're overseas so we went and stayed with his sister my aunt my aunt Eve who was the only fam the only sibling who actually lived there through her entire life from the time she was born to when she passed not too long ago um, so he um, I'm sorry, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I lost my train of thought, yeah, yeah. but he, he, so he grows up there and and the war breaks out and he- The war being World War II. World War II. II, right? And he barely speaks English and he joins the military and they make him a forward observer. Uh, he spends a year in Australia training, um, finally m- gets into the action and he was one of the first- uh, expeditionary forces to go to Japan after they dropped the bomb. Wow. I remember earlier we were talking yeah. before we got started here that his his letter writing skills were, were immense. In fact, he always wanted to write a book. Really? Never got to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I probably should have brought that copy of the book that my sister actually finally did called The Cardenas Family Story that she published. It's all just for us. Yeah. But uh, so he goes into the service, he's a forward observer, can't speak very good English, but uh, he's out there telling people where to drop a bomb or where to go and where not to go, that sort of thing. Uh, comes back uh, after that and then um, Korea breaks out, he re-enlists, he's, a, uh, he's in a platoon where his platoon leader is, is, is put down and, uh, and as, as what happens in the military, he, uh, he gets pushed up uh, they, he gets a battlefield commission. That's where he got his officer status. Had not even, didn't even have a GED at that wow. moment in time. They sent him to the war college at Fort Bragg, uh, North Carolina, where he goes to college there, gets his GED. Um, and uh, so so then Vietnam breaks out. And so he puts, uh, we stay with, that's where I was going with that. We stay with my aunt for a year there in the Southern California. During Testament. Vietnam. During Vietnam.
0: So 70 70- Five, 73? Oh, no, 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 this was
1: 66. Sixty-six Vietnam War. I know. Well, the early well, No, I was of, over at 76. Yeah, it was, it was, it was done so by 70, then. yeah, 70. Well, we were there 66 uh, after coming back from Ethiopia. Gotcha. That's, that's where, that's where the, the tour duty before that was there. And so we spent a year there with my aunt and living in the desert life. It was great. Um, we'd walk down the dirt road to the Mojave River and chase tadpoles and- and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of
0: fun. Your sister, you and your sister,
1: and my older brother. brother. Who, who, you know, when you when you talk about dynamics of dads, um, uh, I'll never forget the day. In fact, I can kind of think about it now as we're as we're talking about it. I'm I'm at San Jose State, uh, struggling in college because I didn't really want to be there or know why I wanted to be there, mm-hmm. other than my dad wanted me to be in the service, and I was an ROTC cadet, a failed one at that later on, but. Um, I have an older brother who was the apple of my dad's eye in the sense that he thought he was gonna be the guy that goes into the military. In fact, my brother was wanted to go to West Point himself. Um, short story about my dad. And I think it's some, some of the things that I think about. We would have parties in Ethiopia when my dad was stationed there and we went with him. We were stationed in Ethiopia for a year with him. And when we would have these officers and such over, he would introduce us kids, myself, my sister, and my brother. And it was my brother was gonna be, you know, an officer and defend democracy. And my sister was gonna be a princess. And this is my son, Bobby, because that's what I went by my whole life till I decided to go by Robert. Here's Bobby, he's gonna be a bum. No. I swear. And my mom would say, yeah, but he's gonna be the best bum ever.
0: You're kidding? No. What did no. that do to you? What did that?
1: Well, at the time, I was a kid, and you know, to me, it was like, "We're okay, fine." Where's Where's my next bologna sandwich coming from? Right. Didn't really, you know, impact me at the moment in time. Right. Um, but uh, uh, later on in life, uh, I tried to fulfill that sort of thing for him, and uh, didn't work out for me.
0: That sort of thing being ROTC. Yeah. I I, yeah.
1: I went to uh, I went to um. Uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky for my six weeks of basic training. Mm-hmm. And there I won a scholarship for the for college, full scholarship, right, right. plus I had a little stipend too. Um, there was a, I think 1,500 cadets, they gave away 70 of them. Wow. And I got wow, one, who wow, knew? Wow! And I come back to school, I go to San Jose State, um, spend a year there struggling to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do there. And then I go to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington for my advanced training and um, this was probably the beginning of my brother, my, my dad and I having issues. Well, it was the issue. So I'm in Fort Lewis, Washington. I meet up with this uh, guy, his name's Dave Reese. We're still friends today, but he was much smarter than I was at all levels. He got into the finance corps, retired after 30 years. He's a Lieutenant Colonel, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that business. So anyway, so I'm, I'm at Fort Lewis, Washington and and uh, I meet up with him and, and the, I'll never forget the last night we were there before they let us go the next morning after being there for six weeks. And I had high ratings throughout the time I was there. Everybody thought, oh, this guy's it. And you know, he's infantry, the whole bit. And uh, I get back uh, that night before my buddy Dave who had drove his car there, he was from Colorado. And um, he says, hey, let's let's check out the night before. Let's get on the road. I'll take you home to San Jose let's just leave. So we told all the guys, hey, don't mention that we're leaving. We take off the next morning, our captain, who's a real army captain comes in. Hey, where's Cardenas and Reese? Oh, they left last night. So by the time I get back to San Jose state, my professor of military science drags me in. He says, you know, cadet, if this was wartime, that's, uh, uh, you left your post. I could have you shot. (laughs) (laughs) And from there, it spiraled out of control. Um, school wasn't for me. I was having a hard time. And ultimately my grades got to the point where they kicked me out. Mm -hmm. And when you get kicked out of school, they kick you out of the program. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of my dad and I not speaking a single word for probably four years. Not one word, not one word. I'd come home and uh, I'd, my dad would say to my mom, hey, tell your kid.
0: Oh, you mean you lived with him and he didn't speak I w- to you?
1: Yeah, I was living there. I was coming back from college before I moved away. and and I, Or even if I came by to visit after I moved out, hey, tell your kid so-and-so. And um, it, was, it was a tough time because I think at that point in my life, now that I think about it, I wish I'd have had a better relationship because there's probably some really good lessons I could have learned when sure. I was in my 20s. Sure, sure. That, sure. I could have avoided some pain and mistake. So
0: you're 22 already. to 26? Yeah, about right that. There. Yeah. So did the voice of, or did the words of, he's my son, he's going to be a bum. Did, did that start to then like grow hair? Like, was it sitting there like a little monster? I don't know.
1: I, I, I guess, I guess if, 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 you wanted to, if you wanted to, if I wanted to be a victim, I guess I could. Yeah. Were um, you,
0: did you take that role? being a bum? No, no, no. no. A how <laughs> or, did you how did you process it? Because we do fall into victimhood. We fall into victim and villain.
1: Um, okay, did, well, did, it's funny you bring that up because I I did bring uh, I I was mentioning yeah, earlier. Yeah. My dad was probably one of the first people that I knew of anyways, and and I, and I and I said as I said earlier, I think he was the originator of the email thread because he would write letters to everybody and before he would send them, he'd go down to the Rexall store and make copies. These are, these are, it's a copy of a letter he sent to his best friend, Bob down in the desert.
0: Down in the desert where, where he grew up. Okay. And
1: um, my sister sent this to me a few years ago and I really had no idea this is how he felt about it. But I'll just, I'll read this, this, um, this part of what he came to say about me. Um, I'll start with what he said about my brother. Um, and I'll just write in here. This kid of mine, the oldest who took off on me 11 years ago, I, I think I might've touched on it a little bit. My brother disappeared and we haven't seen him for 40 years. 40? Oh, easily since- Just I, disappeared. Just disappeared. So my dad mentioned that in this letter. He says, he took off 11 years ago. I feel I did something wrong somewhere down the line. However, at the same time, I must've done something right with my other two. I have noticed that my youngest was tolerant toward me regardless how I treated him. But I was resentful as hell for screwing up his education and getting kicked out of the ROTC program. His tolerance towards me woke me up and it caused me to come into line with my relationship with him. He is a precious kid and I regret now the years that we had those many years of personal differences. Wow. Kind of gives me a chill just thinking about it. Wow. But at the same time, I think, God dang it. We wasted a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. We wasted a lot of time. Yeah. It was only uh, it was only when I met Diana, and got married that I was forgiven.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then when you give them grandkids, Mm -hmm. I hit the jackpot. Hit
0: the jackpot. And so he had time with your with your kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he was a good grandfather. Oh, he was the best. Yeah. Papa was the best.
1: He loved his kids. uh, I remember when uh, Sean was born and he came into the room and Diana was there, had Sean, my oldest, uh, obviously in her arms and, and my dad being this guy who always was writing and thinking pocket full of pens and papers, you know, and my, Diana says, you want to hold your grandkid, Papa? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can take all this stuff out. You know, <laughs> and it was like this moment and, he, and tears coming down his eyes. Really? Oh, yeah. It was, it was phenomenal. Really? Phenomenal.
0: What was the reconciling moment like for you and him? Like what was, do you remember that moment or the era? <clears throat> uh, it probably had to be
1: when Diana and I eloped. Um, I mentioned earlier to you and you and I've had these conversations before where I, I feel like I'm a, a kind of a failed Catholic and my mom was a Protestant converted to Catholicism and my dad grew up in, as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, this is in the, what, this was the 80s. There were no cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So I moved in with Diana in that little Rio Vista yep, place. That's where I met you. And the coward that I was at the time, I wrote my mom a note. <laughs> I said, dear mom, I want to let you know that uh, Diana and I moved in together. This is my address. This is our phone number and you um, need to get a hold of me. Here I am. A couple days later, phone rings. It's my mom. It's like a Thursday night, I think. Yeah, it was a Thursday night. And uh, she says, uh, son, I didn't raise you that way. (laughs) Catholic guilt. Uh. (laughs) Through the phone. Through the phone and uh, hung up the phone and looked at Diana and I said, you know what? She's right. You're the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. Let's get married. And that, well, as you will know, that following Saturday, we, uh, you know, the whole next week, we, we planned it. Uh, Your wife was involved. She was probably the only person that knew uh besides the two of us and we went down to Carmel got married we had uh she had a wedding dress I had a tuxedo we had a little wedding cake we had the goblet that said you know congratulations as if we had a full on wedding sure sure afterwards we walked into the the bar at the Highland Hotel and made this thing our head table nobody <laughs> knew us they're playing my funny valentine that's our song now um and then afterwards we went into one of those big telephone booths um Uh, At the, because again, no cell phones. I mean, the telephone booth was as big as a room and we called my mom and dad to tell them we had loped and my mom was very disappointed. Oh, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. She wasn't there. Very disappointed. And I kind of hung up the phone and thought, God dang. Uh, Okay, that's all right. Yep. By the time we get back to the room, there's a message on my phone from my mom saying, I don't know what I was thinking. We're so happy for you. Come see us when you get back. So the minute I walk in the house... Uh, my dad walks up to me for the first time and shakes my hand, says, Congratulations, son. And that was the moment from that point forward that I think all things were forgiven. Wow, yeah, all things were
0: forgiven. A mystery the things that people hold so sacred and important.
1: Well, he wanted, he wanted for us, and, and, sure. and, and as I, and as we sure. talked, as we talked when we were out together not too long ago. You know, regrets, right? Mm-hmm, what we mm-hmm. want to done. I, I do kind of regret not going down that military path. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. And and had I done that, what would our lives have been different?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, then you worry about where sure. I have met
0: Diana yeah, and had all my that. kids, all that kind of stuff. All that. So the path you choose is are just that. Right. What did you do? That must have been some moment. Handshake, eye to eye, were he, you eye to eye with your dad or was he?
1: Yeah. Young? Oh, no, he was a little shorter than me. Okay. For a guy who you say was a hero, yeah. you mentioned, and he was, my dad. Yeah. Uh, distinguished Service Cross, Bronze Star, Civil Star, uh, Purple Heart four times. Mm-hmm. Um, decorated, probably had 20, 30 medals from different countries. One of my favorite ones from him was a plaque that he that he had on his office wall that he got from his command in Vietnam. He was uh, Father Dropkick, not because he liked football or soccer, because if you didn't do what he wanted you to do, he was going to dropkick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> father Dropkick. Good
0: Catholic name. (laughs) Hey, there's this thing called a blessing that, that um, a lot of us men strive for from our fathers, you know, that we are enough. We have what it takes. Mm -hmm. We're good. We're good boys and good men. Um, I hear through your story a couple of times where in my mind, and I'm listening through that filter, that's a blessing. That letter is a blessing. Like that's a, Affirmation between him and his friend that you or didn't even know mm-hmm. existed. Mm-hmm. Um, the handshake. Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, do you? How would you pu- describe what a blessing is?
1: Something I wasn't expecting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In a lot of ways, I, I find that in my daily life, things happen, and it's wow, that's a blessing. I that's a blessing. Yeah. 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 So surprising. Yeah. Something good. Yeah. Something good, uh huh.
0: And when, when, if you would you say your dad has blessed you, gave you blessings? Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. What was what was an early blessing? <sighs>
1: I'm not sure how to put that into words, Mark. Okay. Um, for, for, for and I'm not sure the blessing was from him more than it was from me to him, or just the just the there's just the fact that I had become a father, and I think that's what he wanted. He, I he more would, than anything. Yeah. He he wanted he wanted grandkids. Yeah, you know, he did. Yeah. In fact, he wanted more. He wanted more than just three of us—my uh-huh. older brother, my sister, and myself. And I just found this out last night, or night before last, when I was with my sister, that he had mentioned to my mom that he wanted to have one more kid. <laughs> Tried to talk <laughs> her into it, <laughs> and, and said, "Look, you know, now the other ones are older; they can help raise this one." <laughs> so I think it was me giving him the kids
0: was kind of the, the blessing of our lives, the two of us. Right. Right. That's so that's just unbelievable. that's the story I can feel it I can feel the grit in it and um, what a great man. What's it feel like to be raised by a great man even with distance and seasons of hardship I mean you you sit here and explain who your dad was and the medals and the honor and the and the character and he's a letter writer and he's got all this going. What's that feel like? It can be intimidating.
1: It can be intimidating in fact, uh, I was on a job site with, uh, one of my associates and, um, we were on a military base and I have a, I have an affinity for. The military, mm-hmm. uh, anybody who wants to put their life down like sure. that. And even if you're not in combat, it's, it's a, to, to give up your, your individuality sure. for a greater sure. good is, is something else. So I was telling him a bit of the story. We're standing there in the parking lot waiting for, to get into the, the facility. And uh, I was telling him, you know, because I like to brag about my dad and his medals and, and such. And he looked at me and he says, what happened to you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's intimidating.
1: It's hard to live up to. Uh huh. It's in, in all kinds of ways. I'm not the man that he was in the sense that, um, although he, his his world was fairly small when we lived in the in San Leandro, he d- he had lots of people that he knew and admired and loved him as well. But it wasn't like there was a steady stream coming to our house. Uh huh. He wasn't that way. Uh huh. In fact, he never wanted to impose on people. Whenever we would visit family, we'd never stay at their houses. Yeah. Put us in Yeah, he put us in a hotel and uh-huh. that kind of thing. So it's just hard it was hard it's been hard to live up to that. Still. Well, I mean I, this is a man who who fought for what he thought was right and was willing to put his life on the line for it. I mean after the first purple heart I think a lot of guys would have had second thoughts about sure. going back in and getting the three more. Sure. So I don't think I can ever live up to what my dad was. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can.
0: See, I hear your story <clears throat> and I hear stories like this a lot. Hmm. And it sparks um, like an envy and a jealousy and a, and a, a grief because I wish I had that. Mm. That there's this great proverb, 3,000-year-old um, statement. It says it's only right that a boy should be proud of his dad. And there's a, settling, there's a, there's a, a security that comes with a legacy mm. that you're proud of, even if it's intimidating. And so I sit here and listen to that. And because I don't have those stories, that DNA in me, that legacy, Mm. and it leaves a void. And so I just see who you are and the fight in you and the honor in you. And I see so much of your dad in you. And um, hearing your story, I can see now where it comes from. Mm. And uh, how do you think that's transferred to your kids, your three sons?
1: Hmm. Um. I think my, you should probably ask them that question because <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty
0: sure they think I'm a nut. Uh-huh. All uh, three of them? Because they're all three so different. Oh, absolutely.
1: No, I think I think they all have that opinion of me that I'm a bit on the quirky side. I mean, you know, as you've seen me yeah. transform my life a sure. little bit over the last few years, physically trying right. to you know change because I, I want to live till I'm a hundred. Sure. And not just live till I'm a hundred. I want to be healthy. Yeah. I want to ride yeah. my bicycle. Vibrant, yeah. I want to get up every day. I want to be at the gym. I want to I want I want to be living in our house. N- no medication. And I, yeah. I tell Diane all the time, I said, look, you know, you got to be able to pick me up and I got to be able to pick you up yep. physically, yep. you know, that sort of, and they think I'm a nut for it. Mm-hmm. You know, my 4 a.m. wake ups and, and, uh, in bed at eight. And, uh, you know, I tell them nothing good happens after nine o'clock. So what's the point? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Y- yeah. You know,
1: and all, that comes, all from-
0: that comes from that. Yeah. And they think you're crazy.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean,
0: you know, even- you think they respect it or do they push oh, away from so. it?
1: Oh no, I do. I yeah. do. I do. I mean, I, I even get past the, you know, the, the, the NFR comment from Diana. That's my nickname NFR. far, which is no fun, Robert. <laughs>
0: no fun, Robert. Just <laughs> swear. <laughs> That's so funny. And I didn't they, know that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No fun, Robert. Because, you know, to me, it's, uh, I've been down that road. I, I'm tired. <laughs> I got a day to get up to.
0: Yeah. So, how would you describe what legacy is? What's a legacy? Well, it could be.
1: Uh, I'd like to think of legacy as something good, something that you pass on. Uh, either it be, uh, you know, a, a character trait, or um, a memory, or uh, some wealth, or something to to to, to those behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It, I hear you rewriting, especially in the last four years of you. Getting healthy, physically healthy, and um, uh, being focused on who you want to be. Yeah, and, and and that, in a sense, you're rewriting your story. Exactly. The second half of your life. Mm-hmm. What's been the challenge in that rewrite? Because mo- we all have to come to a place where we re- rewrite our stories, right? Um,
1: personal development, I don't think is easy. No, it really isn't. No, and it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I was, I, I was, I was I was driving down here, I was thinking about, I was actually listening to uh, Jack Canfield's uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, I, and I love him, I love listening to him. And I was kind of thinking back to when I was younger, what moved me and what got me to a place. And it just says, as an example, okay, here I am, I'm uh, just before high school, uh, just prior to that, uh, I think I might have mentioned to you before when we were in Ethiopia, I, had, I, I went through a scenario where I was uh, p- paralyzed from the neck down. Had to fly me to Kenya, um, blood transfusions, this, that, and the other. We come back to the states. Uh, we're in we're in San Leandro now. My dad's about ready to go to to uh, to Vietnam. Something happens to me to the extent that I can't walk. And I go into Oak Knoll Hospital. I'm there for 30 days. They're trying to figure out what it is. This is 1972, give or take. Uh, I literally am in the hospital for 30 days. The day before, my dad actually left for Vietnam and then I'm admitted into the hospital. And so at the end of that 30 days, they finally said, oh, you got juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I was on this protocol of like 12 aspirin a day. Aspirin. Yeah. Ben gay on my hip every day trying to get through the pain and so now i'm in middle school high school comes and all my buddies are going in to play football and my doctors at that point said no no, you shouldn't do that and i and i kind of wanted to Mm. and so i did so i i found a doctor who said no you need to be active so i go to high school and and there's this kid there his name is scott bream uh air force cadet eventually kind of guy. And I looked at him and I thought, man, that guy's like a Greek God. I want to be like that guy. Greek God, a Greek God. He was a wrestler and a football player. I'm going to do everything I can to break all of his records. And I did every one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I sometimes push myself back to that point to where if I, when I think, okay, how am I going to get to this? And I got to dig deep and find what was it then that I'd be out on a Friday night running at midnight sure. and my buddies would be throwing beer bottles at me as they drove around coming back from a party. Yeah, and you were running at midnight. And, and yeah. 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 So, um, I
0: don't know, those are the sort of things that, that drive me. Those come from your dad. That comes from, I'm leaving Mexico, I'm going to America. Absolutely. That, that comes from your, that's a legacy.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and with my dad, I mean, he, I mentioned that he got his GED and goes yeah. into the war college, gets his commission. He out, barely speaking English when he got his battlefield commission. Yet he stayed at it and graduated from Cal State Hayward with a degree in English.
0: Unbelievable! And, and he's when he was writing 50, letters. He's writing letters prolific all the time, all the time.
1: And a and a ferocious reader, which I'm not. I wish I had that trait of his. He was mm-hmm. he read all the things, everything.
0: Uh were you there when your dad passed?
1: Yeah, it was uh it was a real horrible time. Um he towards the end as it is for so many, um he uh they they eventually said cause of death was uh, from leukemia and that got brought on by Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being at Kaiser Hospital with him a couple of time, a couple of nights before and then um I forget this I don't forget, but it, the, the the chronology is a little bit confusing because it's like I remember bringing him home from Kaiser, he was gonna go into hospice and um, I pulled him out of the chair and I threw my back out. I could felt like, oh gee, had something happen there, right? It's just something wasn't right. The next morning I'm waking up and I'm downstairs in our house there on, on Barclay and um, working and I get up and I fall immediately to the floor. I am like out. I mean, I'd thrown my back out on the worst way. You know how it is, yeah. sometimes yeah. it's the littlest thing. Sure. Pick up a Kleenex and you're out, right? And my neighbors had to come pick me up to get me to the doctor I, I to get out of the house. I had to yeah. come from upstairs, downstairs, all that bit, right? So I get down to the hospital and I get the call from my, my sister that my dad's passing. And I barely make it in time to see him Wow.
0: before he passed
1: at our home in San Diego. At your Andrew. home?
0: Yeah. Wow. And did he have any, was he cognitive? No. No, no, no. And,
1: and I, it, if I have a regret about that scenario, the night before when my back was sort of hurting, you know, a little bit, and I'd gone to see my dad then uh-huh. that night, I'd had a couple of drinks of wine to uh-huh. kind of settle myself. Yep. And if I never, I didn't say this before, but my dad never drank, never smoked. When he married my mom, he was thirty-one; she was eighteen. Neither, both of them were virgins. And so, it's bothered me for ever since then that the last memory my dad probably has is that he smelled alcohol on my breath. Really? Yeah, yeah. He actually said that. He said, "Oh, son, you're not drinking. You're drinking." You know? Oh, really? Oh, he knew I had no idea back then that I was drinking. Yeah. And, uh, my sister either. My sister was the same way. Well, my dad was strict that way. Yeah. You know, it, it was yeah, yeah he, so you he, hid stuff oh yeah oh yeah yeah but you know i but growing up i wasn't i wasn't this rowdy in fact i didn't i didn't really get crazy until i was 21 mm-hmm. but up until that point i was
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: you know yeah but uh i i i i look back at that moment in time and kind of think god
0: could I have think, redone that yeah How yeah. how do you handle regret like that more drinking I spent the
1: next 30, 40 years drinking more than I should yep. to the extent that I lost my gallbladder.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Do you think that stems from regret? Yeah. Shame? Oh, absolutely. How deep do you think? Because I have a whole chapter on shame. Yeah. Um, And it's I'm just awakening to, the. I'm, I'm calling it the tap root of a tree. Every tree has a main root. It's called the tap root. Mm-hmm. When it's a baby tree, it just starts sending down that tap root for stability and everything else. And and I feel like so many of us, the tap root is shame. Some yeah. of us it's anger, some of it's anxiety, some of it's it's depression. Fear. Fear. Fear, huge. Uh how much do you think shame drove your regret? Oh. Uh, more than I could probably
1: think, you know, put a number on mm-hmm. and quantify. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so you chose to drink drink it. Oh yeah How has it I call it a tr- uh, um, a leak Shame is a leak Some Some things Like anger Are a spill It spills out of the cup When you're bumped Anger spills And some mm. things are splashes mm. It splashes all over the group Yeah <laughs> I think shame is a constant You know when you get those Cheap paper cups With hot coffee And the seam They forgot to glue mm. And it just kind of dribbles All over the joint Right uh, that's to me what shame does. It shows up in so many areas, and it tracks around, and it's just this annoyance mm-hmm. thing that has a lot of faces on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how would you feel regret? Because I've heard a couple times now, just in your story, you know, regret of military. There's regret, mm-hmm. and as men that are sensical with vision and dreams and want to change our life and take control of our life, drive the bus. Mm-hmm. That regret and shame can really trickle in a lot of areas. Paralyzing. Yeah. It's paralyzing.
1: And in a lot of aspects of my life, it's been paralyzing. And, and um, sometimes I wonder how I got through it. Mm-hmm. I really do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really do. It um, it was not easy.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the drinking didn't help. Oh, heck no. No. Now that the drinking has um, under control. Oh yeah. What it's still, it's, it's taproot. Like how do you, do you ever see it trickling any other way? regret shame
1: uh, yeah sure uh, uh, <laughs> you know my recent ch- uh, change in occupation
0: Yeah, you know yep yep
1: not that you know my, sure uh, there was no drinking involved right, that, right, right, that right. it was it was really one of those that wow I, I should have done something a little bit differently mm-hmm. I wish I had, had done this and said not said mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm.
0: so it resonates louder I'm hearing you say yeah absolutely so a small mistake that normal maybe somebody that doesn't wrestle with shame or regret just okay, that was a mistake boo-boo let's do this again where it kind of resonates loud
1: yeah and it's and that's you know even at 65 I'm still trying to find out ways in which to put that away uh-huh. and kinda, you know compartmentalize it to yeah you know but I did that before and that you know that was you with see drinking. that's when
0: you put it away I think see I'm learning right now shame yeah. is something I don't have a grip on mm. I figured a few things out but that's one I haven't mm. uh and let's Spend a minute if you don't mind talking about that. Mm-hmm. When you compartmentalize it and try to put it away, I think that uh, puts that monster in the closet and that monster grows. Oh, it it, uh, it comes back as shingles. Yeah. I've struggled with shingles almost my whole life. And Amazing. Now, I was and bedridden with sur- sh- shingles. Pardon me? I was bedridden with shingles.
1: Oh, it started when I was in college. Really? I oh, didn't know that. And then stress would bring it out and uh, it'd be all the side of my face and it would feel like an ice pick in my head.
0: Remember when I had it inside my yeah. ear canal? Do you remember yeah, that? I do. So, I had empathy for it because it's it's painful. Uh, um, unbelievable. So, so that stuffing and that putting that away, it still trickles, mm-hmm. trickles through that stuff. Oh, yeah. How are you learning or are you learning to process it and not put it away? I think the key is to process it. <laughs> Funny story about that. So- um,
1: you know, as we, as we move on and we, we try to grab onto whatever we can to help us. And I've come to you before. I remember sure, sitting sure. with you at We're, the church and you handed me that sh- that bible uh, and, yep, yep. and I've and I've tried to do it and tried to do it and tried to do it and tried to I keep and I'm not giving up. I'm trying to do it, but um so I'm a I, good I, Catholic boy? Not very, but yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> try to do it. That's so funny you describe it as it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do
1: it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, uh, so
1: I, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, f- figure out those things that I, you know, internalize through meditation. Yep. So, you know, I, I, I buy this calm app, Yep. you know, calm.com. Sure. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, i I tell Diana, you know, I'm doing it and she says, Hmm, I don't think it's really work. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't understand. I just had 1100, my 1100 session. <laughs> Which I think is really wrong about that calm, app because I've, all of a sudden it's a competition. You've got five days yeah, in a row. Yeah, not, it's stressing it's, you out. Yeah, it's stressing me out. <laughs> and then I got my wife saying to me, I don't think it's working. I think i got to try something different. <laughs> she said that here at yes. the Fourth of
0: July party. Yeah, did she?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Robert, tell them about how calm you are in your meditation. Exactly. It's not working. <laughs> I like to think I am, but yeah. uh, you know, I guess I'm looking inside out.
0: That's so funny. So when you meditate, what's the focus of the meditation? <sighs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling with it. Yeah, I, I'm struggling with it. I mean, I, I'm listening to it. You know, I'm I'm doing the Wim Hof, the cold yeah. exposure, yeah. and the meditation, and you know, yeah. trying to figure out okay, what where am I going with it? I haven't had that light bulb movement, uh-huh. movement
0: yet. I really haven't. Uh, there's this thing in it in the in the Bible. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the it book. <laughs> I Catholic, I It's it? okay. So this uh, ex-murderer, Paul, who right. is like in this redemptive state, he says, hey, don't forget that, that the Lord has asked us to cast all of our anxiety and troubles and worries on him. Mm. That word cast is when you set down a set of luggage, you walk away from it. Like you left your luggage at the airport and I don't have no name tag on it and I don't want to hear about it no more. And so I find a lot of guys struggle in meditation with that same reality mm. you're struggling with where that meditation app kind of owes Jesus some some royalties because Jesus always says when you're anxiety when you have any problems whatever talk to me about it and it's called prayer and and they he invented the the meditation that's so try with the app in those states just saying hey if you're a real lord this is some bullshit right here this is some I'd like to see this go away I'd like to see you walk me through this and watch what happens. I'm, I'm being sincere. I'm listening. I'm being dead I, sincere. I'm listening. Because there's a few things I've learned and and that's a that's a hundred percenter. It's never not worked. It's ne- My buddy, Ron Ritchie, today's his birthday on our inaugural podcast. Mm. My, the dearest man in my life mm. it was his birthday and he used to have the saint because Jesus says, worry about nothing, pray about everything. He would say, why would you pray? Just worry about it. <laughs> what we've been doing for 60 years (laughs) like how's that working you know and so try that in your meditation say hey lord if you're real it's interesting how you brought that up
1: about uh, because i I, I sometimes when i'm in this process of doing these things and listening to the jack canfield as i said before i kind of think to myself isn't this the false prophets so to speak Mm -hmm. i think because i i I struggle with i struggle with the bible yeah i struggle with that you should I do, and I should. do, and, and, and I've not been able to breach that Yeah. 65 years later. I'm hoping by 100,
0: I, I'll have it done. I believe the intent of the scriptures mm-hmm. are to struggle. There's a moment in this guy named Jacob's life where he wrestles with man, himself, and God, mm-hmm. and he walks with a limp after the wrestling match, mm-hmm. and that's an example. It's a struggle, struggle with me. Struggle with the text, struggle with honor, struggle with we're in a culture where we run from struggle. Mm. The joy of living is successfully navigating the struggle. yeah we don't compart- when you compartmentalize it, when you numb it, when you it's there's no, there's no freedom in that. no And your did. dad went through the struggles and found a lot of freedom with four purple hearts not because of the award, but the struggle, Mm-hmm. Is what made him. Yeah, and we're in a culture where, and that's what you're learning with the cold showers and the struggle of mm-hmm. taking care of yourself. Well, mm-hmm. emotionally and spiritually, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. And so, okay, let's take this thing on. Let's put some glue on that cup and forget the trickle, mm-hmm. and cut the tap root pot and transplant that tree and start rewriting our new stories emotionally, mm-hmm. because the emotions are what takes down mm-hmm. the body. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh God, yes. Yeah, yeah. We're focused on on on. Um, supplements while we stuff the dragon back in the closet of, of the thing that's really going to take us out. Yeah. You know, that's what's going to take us out. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. I hope that, uh, we can sit down with the it again, once again, and try that though in your meditation. I'm for everything. Meditation helps. I've never seen it not help, but does it heal? Right. There's a difference between helping and healing. Right. And that's the difference I'm speaking of. Right. Tell me about, um, Last question. Um, I believe there's a lot of power in dreams. You now have a dream to live to 100. Mm-hmm. You have a dream to be able to carry your wife or her carry you. Those mm-hmm. are dreams. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of power behind those dreams. I mm-hmm. think they're gifts from the Lord. I really do think they're visions and they're things that call us forward. What's your dream besides those right now with your boys? What are the dreams you have regarding your sons? I, I, um, I
1: worry about them a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. I do.
1: I do because... Uh, um, I think back to when I was a kid and my mom takes me to a movie, a double feature. I don't know if I've ever shared mm-hmm. this with mm-hmm. you. I thought I might have, might have, but I'm probably 12 or so. We're living in Alameda. We go, she says, let's go see a double feature. And my mom was, I love her. She's She, she was the best, but she she had a, a twisted sense of what was appropriate and to, to take your kids to. Like she took us to all the horror movies, <laughs> the scariest, the better. <laughs> So this one Saturday afternoon, she takes me to see this double feature, Nostradamus and Soylent Green. I don't know what those are. Nostradamus, the French uh, prophet who had the quatrains, who oh, predicted oh, oh, oh. all yep. of the things that are supposed sure. to happen that are sure. typically going to be bad. And so here I am, 12 years old, looking yep. at all these bad things that are going to be happening. Right. And he's predicting I'm in Soylent Green, one of my right. favorite cult movies, Charlton Heston's It's set in 2023, where the world's basically exhausted. It's set in 2023?
0: How ironic is that?
1: I know. And the whole premise of Soylent Green is that it's people, right? You're, the, the world has run out of food and now they're eating people. Okay. Okay. So those are the, that's a Saturday afternoon <laughs> double feature. <laughs> and I walk out of there and I think, I'm never getting married. i have having kids. What the heck the world's coming to an end? <laughs> in fact, I said that to Diana when I, our first date on the grassy knoll at the San Diego Marine. I told her, I'm never having kids. I'm never getting married. I want to live in a penthouse.
0: Oh, that's so funny. The '80s,
1: so I I just didn't think uh, there was a future. Mm-hmm. I really didn't, mm-hmm. and I worry about my kids today because I the way the world is, right? And maybe if I found that place that we talked about
0: earlier, I'd pray more and worry less. Yeah, yeah, and just and just let the Lord take care of that. Yeah, I think the answer is in the in the younger generation. I think that we're so afraid, and a lot of our, the younger generation, your kids, my kids, mm-hmm. ages don't want to have kids because the world's so the way it is, mm-hmm. but I think the answer lies within the future heroes that will be born mm-hmm. and that will lead us through this chaos Hopefully. because it's it's not the first time the world has faced no. these kinds of problems. No. Yeah, and we're so uh, uh, prone to fear. T- tell me about fear. Where did you learn fear? Because your dad didn't seem so fear- fearful.
1: Um, you know, it's... Uh, a lot of my early life centered around being in sports mm-hmm. and I, that was my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I remember, um, as a senior, uh, going to the state tournament down in Pomona, I was the only guy from our school and I was pretty, I think I had lost maybe two matches all year. And here, I'm flying down to LA with my coach. We we're going to practice at UCLA and, and this is a big deal. This yeah, is a big state deal. tournament. Yeah, you know. Um, I was an undefeated guy in my league and and I get down there and I was overwhelmed and fear took over. And I lost my first match, and that guy lost his, so I got down to the bottom bracket and, and then I lost again and then I was out. And I think about it now and I think I, I was as good as any one of those yeah. guys. Yeah. Fear. The fear of what was gonna happen kept me from being who I could have been at that Loose moment and in time.
0: On on your game yeah. and yeah. Was that the first time you recall fear yeah. having a power over you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you're fearful now of your kids. What's that? How's that shake out? <sighs> well, there's only so much I can do. Yeah.
1: Because they got to live their life. Yeah. And I and I can all I can do is assist them. Uh-huh. I don't want to be domineering. Right. I, I don't want to be, you know, yeah, this is my kid. He's going to, you know, fight for democracy. And here's my right. youngest. He's going to be a bum. Right. Right. Um, I just want the best for them. Yeah. You know, and um, I hope they can find that in in something. I don't think they have the, at least my oldest doesn't have the fear. No. Sean doesn't. No. Um, Evan, probably not. Ryan, my youngest, maybe a little bit. Yeah. More like me. Yeah. Uh, In fact, probably a lot like me, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Which is why there's probably a little bit of conflict between the two of you.
1: In not the the so much, not, yeah, not yeah. so much today. Yeah. Not because so much. Because you're so t- much alike. I think so.
0: Yeah. I think I learned so. that the, the more people we have in conflict, yeah, it's because they remind us of ourselves. Right. Yeah. What do you want your kids individually, all three of them, real quick, what do you want them to say about you 50 years from now?
1: That I loved them. Mm hmm. I think that's the most important thing that you love them i do yeah well they do
0: you, they know you love them. of course yeah
1: but that that's that is far that that would be it for me yeah i don't think there's i
0: need any more than that's that. it
1: that's it they love It's yeah.
0: a great place yeah great answer great reality like here's your dad's got all this room full of awards and medals and stuff and what you want is for your kids to say my dad loved us mm-hmm. that's beautiful yeah. They're good boys.
1: No, they are. They're in, in each in their own way uh, and different. They are. Yeah. And Absolutely. Evan's getting
0: married or just got married?
1: We just had his uh, engagement party at the house. We had about 20-some people over, got a chance to get with her family a little bit. Um, they're hard to make decisions, mm-hmm. those kids they are. are. Yeah. And yeah, I call them kids, but they're late 20s. She's yeah. in her 30s. and uh, But it's hard for them to make those decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully the next year or so and see a grandkid, that'd be nice. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do they want kids? Um, they don't say that. Yeah. They don't say that. But I'd like to have one grandkid. <laughs> I'd like to chance a spoiler one. <laughs> Maybe do have a do-over. Uh-huh. Tr- uh, do a, little, a few things differently. Wow.
0: Well, Robert, uh, I want to just thank you oh. for being a great dad. Well, no, thank you. I want, And a great son you are a great dad and were a great son and i say were because both your parents are on the other side now yeah and one of the great honors in my life was be able to be there and with your mom on her last few days that was a really special time for your tell that
1: story more times than you can imagine well
0: it was an honor and it was beautiful to be part of any family where there's so much love yeah and um your dear sister just lovely family Yeah. and um I've always looked up to you. Oh, Mark. And uh, thanks for being a part of Finding Dad and the story. And again, the most important thing is thanks for being a great son and a great dad. Thank you, Mark.